Welcome to the Studies in Proverbs podcast, produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. This is taken from a video series you can find on our website, heartcrymissionary.com. HeartCry is a missionary society founded by Paul Washer. The goal of our ministry is to glorify God and bring the greatest possible good to humankind through the preaching of the gospel and the establishment of biblical churches throughout the world. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society. Well, hello again, and we're back um, in the book of Proverbs, and we're going to read in chapter 3, and starting in verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Now, we'll be looking at verse 7 and hopefully verse 8. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Uh, Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much for the great privilege uh, that is mine to be here today with these young people. And Father, I know that this is not live and Some are listening to it days later, maybe it'll be months later, maybe even years later. Lord, knowing that, I appeal to you on their behalf in the name of Christ, that dear God, they would know your son believingly, savingly. They would would love him. They would be devoted to him that they would trust in His finished work on their behalf, that they would walk in, in the grace, in the love of God, that they would lean not on their own understanding, but trust in You, the Lord their God, with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Do not be wise in your own eyes is how we start in verse seven. And I've just written here to be wise in our own eyes is to be of the opinion that we have no need of God or that we can gain no benefit from him. Now, think about that. To be wise in your own eyes is to have a very, very distorted, um, extremely distorted opinion of yourself and an extremely low view of God. I do not need God in this. I can gain no benefit. There is nothing he can add to the wisdom that I already possess. Now, very few of us, I think, would say something like that. But even those of us who have walked with the Lord for a long time have to be very, very afraid. We need to think about what is being said here in that uh, we can be like Joshua, remember, with the Gibeonites. The idea is, you know, when I go to battle, when I'm doing something very, very difficult, of course, I'm going to bow my knee and ask for the Lord's help. I'm going to study his word for direction. But this is a simple thing. I got this. No, in everything, we are called not to be wise in our own eyes. Now, I've, I've written something here that I, I want to share with you. 
to be wise in our own eyes and think that we have no need of God. It's not only pride, thinking too much of ourselves. It's absurd. It, it really is ridiculous. Now just listen to this. God is omniscient. He knows all things. He knows all things perfectly, exhaustively. I mean, everything. He knows it instantaneously. He doesn't have to calculate or figure it out. And he knows all things regardless of the time, past, present, and future. Wouldn't you want to draw him into your counsel? Wouldn't you want to know from him? Don't you think he could add something to that great wisdom that you think you possess yourself? And just look at this. God is omniscient, knows all things. You do not. You know, when you're driving a car and it comes to a curb, there's a, a yellow line telling you, don't pass. Why? Because you can't see around the curve. You can't see around a simple curve. You don't know all things. God knows all things, past, present, and future. Uh, it also means that he knows all things perfectly. You may know some things. You may know a lot of things, but you know nothing perfectly. You cannot see the end. You can't see the bottom. You can't see to the top. You don't know everything perfectly. You don't know it exhaustively. There are things beyond your understanding that would figure in to what you're doing. God knows them. You don't. You don't know them instantaneously. You know, I, was, I saw a program a while back of this young man that you could give him just any sort of route or any sort of calculation, and he was actually able to give the answer faster than college students with calculators. Now, that's amazing. But now you think about it. God doesn't even need that. He knows all things without calculation, without pondering, without having to work and work to come up with the right answer. He knows it instantaneously. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, especially in our world today, right? You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. God does. God does. So it is not only pride, but it's foolishness. Furthermore, God is not only omniscient, but something else I want you to know. He has a perfect righteousness and a wisdom to apply what he knows. You know, there are many people today who do not have a Christian worldview, and they can have a lot of correct information, but they can't put it together correctly. They can't see the bigger picture. God can see the bigger picture. Also, um, there are people who have all the right information, but they don't have righteousness. And so they hide what is true and teach what is false. God, on the other hand, is righteous. So he will always say what is real. He will not lie. He will not deceive. And God is all wise. He not only has the information, he knows how to apply it. And furthermore, with regard to you, you need to understand God loves you. You know, someone could uh, could have all the right information. They don't like you. So they tell you something wrong. So you make a fool out of yourself. But God loves you. He wants the best for you. He knows the plans he has for you. 
He loves you more than you love yourself. I know that seems impossible, but it's true. So really, you don't need to call upon him. He can stay out of this one because you've got it. No, my friend, you, you do not, young person. One of the things about young people, and it's, it's actually promoted by the media today, is you think you really know. Um, I saw a thing the other day, oh, I heard it on the radio, where young people were actually talking about how adults need to listen to them because they can solve the world's problems. They don't even know what the world's problems are. Are these pop songs where it's like, little, let a little child lead us? No, not at all. That's why we grab a little child by the hand when we cross a busy street. They don't know how to lead themselves. The beginning of, how would you say, a prosperous Christian life? And by prosperous, I mean one that demonstrates God's favor is humility. Lord, I don't know. As a matter of fact, a lot of the trials that come upon us today and young people, a lot of the trials that you're going to go through in your life and you will. Uh, the purpose of them is to show you your weaknesses, to show you that you cannot, to show you that you were made not to be independent from the one who made you, but to live in absolute dependence upon him and thus bring him glory. Now, um, I don't know if you've studied the book of Judges. You should. Now remember, young person, just going through this thing on Proverbs with me, it may be helpful, but it is sure not enough. You need also the sermons of good pastors and the counsel of wise parents and all sorts of things. But you need even more than that. You need to study the Bible and there's no excuse. Say, well, it's hard. Yeah, well, life is hard. You need to study the Bible. And in studying the Bible, you're going to come across the book of Judges. And the book of Judges is one of the saddest, most depressing times in all the history of Israel. I mean, no sooner had God brought them out of Egypt. I mean, gloriously uh, brought them into the promised land. And the generation who knew God, it no longer exists. And the generation that's raised up in its place does not know God. Does not follow God. And it says... Of them, it says, in those days there was no king in Israel, and every man did what was right in his own eyes. It's not saying here, the, the idea is not primarily that, that they didn't have a king, they needed a king, or we need a president. No, the idea is here, they needed God. You see, the king, according to Deuteronomy chapter 17, he was to take the law, write a copy of it himself by hand, and then was to read it all the days of his life. So what it's really saying here is there was no expression of God's authority in Israel. And everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Now, let's not think about Israel for a moment. Let's think about uh, you and me. Um, let's say you're thinking about, let's say you're, I don't know, you're 17 and, and you're thinking about a relationship uh, with a young man or a young girl or something. Um, how would you go about it? Would you do what was right in your own eyes? Would you ask other teenagers? Would you, I don't know, base your interaction with this young lady on a movie you've seen? Please don't do that. Or media or 
Something like that? Internet? Or would you go to the Scriptures? Would you do what is right in your own eyes and probably in the eyes of most other people? Or would you consult God? Would you consult His authority to determine how you ought to act? Do not be wise in your own eyes. Do not be wise in your own eyes. You know, when I was in the jungle, when I first went into the jungle, I was a little, I have to admit, I was a little bit afraid. You know, you're, you're in some river on the, off the Amazon or something, and the boat gets tied up in a bunch of brush underneath, and, you know, you're the biggest guy, so they say, hey, can you jump, jump out of the boat, go under the boat, and rip this stuff off? And you're like, there's piranhas in here. You know, there's alligators in here. I'm going to, say anacondas. I'm going to be swimming around in that mess. And, and one of the things that you do is you realize, I'm not going to survive unless I find someone who has some authority. Unless I, I get with some guy, and for me, some Peruvian, who had lived in the jungle all his life and knew what he was doing. So when I found that guy... I asked him all kinds of questions. What do I do when this happens and this happens and this happens? And I shadowed them. I mean, I was like a shadow. Why? Because even though as a young boy I was raised on a cattle ranch and I hunted all the time and everything else, I, I didn't know anything about getting in that mess. And so I didn't want to do what was right in my own eyes because I figured it would get me killed. So I did what was right in, in the eyes of an authority, someone who actually knew what they were doing. And, and that's, the, that's the whole idea here. Except this authority is not just some uh, Aguaruna tribesman. This is God. Perfect. Omniscient. Just. Righteous. Holy. Loving in all His ways. So... Don't be like the people of Israel who did what was right in their own eyes and they suffered and they suffered and they suffered and they suffered again. And no sooner would God send them a savior to deliver them from their enemies than they would go right back to doing what was right in their own eyes. Don't be that way. And, and let me tell you something. I have known people who are like that. Literally. By the time they're 50 years old, they look like they're 80 and they look like they've been beat half to death every day of their life. Why? Because they constantly did what was right in their own eyes. Don't do that. Now, he says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Positively, he says, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Now, we know that wisdom, it all begins with the fear of the Lord, with a deep reverence for God. And a reverence for his word. Um, here I've written down, show a deep abiding reverence or respect for the Lord and turn away from the evil he despises. You know, if your parents ask you to not do something and you do it anyways, you're not just breaking a rule, as we said in a few lessons back. You're dishonoring your parents. You're showing a lack of respect, a lack of reverence for your parents. How much worse is it when you do the same toward God? When you do not fear Him, you do not reverence Him, you do not have a deep abiding respect for Him, and you demonstrate it by not turning away from evil, but turning to it. And, and notice here, young person, it says, turn away from evil. 
It's not just necessarily talking about someone who's doing evil and then turns away from it, but also, look, the moment you see it, turn away from it. Remember, why did Eve fell? She looked and obviously kept looking. Why did David fall with Bathsheba? He looked, he saw, and he kept looking. He kept seeing. It's like, it's like uh, you know, you hear these stories about a cobra in Asia, you know, that looks at someone and, and literally puts them in a trance and they start walking towards the cobra. Now that's a legend, but it's the same way. But reality, you look at sin and it has a power to draw. So reverence the Lord. Show respect for Him and turn away from it. Also, show a deep and abiding respect for the Word of the Lord. You know, I hear so many people today that say they love God and, and who am I to judge? But, but there's something that, that it has to be told. Jesus said, you love me? Keep my commandments. How do we demonstrate love for the Lord? By doing what he said. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you, you know, I hear people all the time say, well, I, you know, I reverence the Lord. I have a deep respect for the Lord. Do you turn away from sin? And not just big sins, but all kinds of sins. You say, well, I, you're a young person. You say, I have a deep and abiding reverence for the Lord. Do you clean your room? Because your mom wants you to clean your room. You see, these little things, these little things. I see so many people who are willing, you know, supposedly to do to give big demonstrations of their love and reverence for God that they never have the opportunity to give like martyrdom. But doing the little things, young person, in every aspect of our life, you see that. Now, we have some promises here, promises to those who trust and seek the Lord. Um, it says, do not be wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. But the whole context here in verse eight, it will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Now, before I talk about this promise, this this whole text here is talking about those who trust the Lord and seek him. Now, I want you to notice something. I put trust before seeking. And in the same way, I'm going to put trust before obedience. You see, who is the person who really seeks the Lord? It's the one who trusts him. It's the one who trusts him. Who's the one who really obeys God? It's the one who, first of all, trusts him. God gives a command and says, don't do this thing that you desire. What could motivate you to keep that command? You trust him. You trust that what he's saying is true. You trust that what he's saying is for your benefit. You trust that what he is saying will bring him glory and you trust that he's worthy of glory. So you see, our obedience for God, our love for God, our seeking after God is all dependent on something that so many people ignore today and so many preachers ignore. I mean, how many sermons have you heard on who is God? What's God like? 
What's so marvelous about God? What are the excellencies of God? What are the beauties of God? What are the attributes of God? Very rarely. And so it's so difficult for the people of God to trust a God they don't know, to love a God they don't know, to obey a God they don't know. And so, young person, in all your study of Scripture, when you're reading through Scripture, the first thing you should ask is not, what is it saying about me? When you read the Scripture, the first thing you need to ask is, what is it telling me about God? Who is God? What kind of God is this? Because I need to know Him so that I can grow in my trust of Him, my love for Him, and my obedience to Him. Now, he says, He will make your paths straight. And I've written here, He will guide the direction of your life and lead you to greater and greater light until the dawn appears. He, he will guide you and the direction of your life according to His purposes. Now, throw out the idea of self-realization. You know, these prosperity preachers and these, these silly preachers on TV, you know, if you, if you acknowledge God, if you believe in God, He's going to give you the things you want. All this, throw that out. Because none of that matters. What matters is, in the end, that your life has fulfilled the purposes of God. That in the end of your days, you have been a servant of God, a pleasing servant of God. And if you will acknowledge him, if you will study his word, if you'll submit to him, he will make your path straight so that the end of your days. You are a servant of God. You have done the will of God. You have been pleasing to God. Now. He says he will make your path straight. The word also means not just straight, but, but the idea of smooth. Now, does that mean if you acknowledge God in all your ways, your life will be easy? Absolutely not. Let me read this. God will remove the obstacles that hinder your good. You say, well, that sounds pretty marvelous to me. Hold on. We need to define good. What is good? Go to hold your place. Go to Romans chapter eight. Hold your place in Proverbs. Going to jump around just for a second. Romans eight. Look at verse twenty-eight. Now, now remember my definition here. God will remove the obstacles that hinder your good. And what is the good? Verse 28, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. What is the good? Verse 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. If you will acknowledge God in all your ways, you will become a useful servant of the Lord, but also he will work in such a way as to conform you to the image of his son. And that doesn't mean your life will be easy. It probably means your life will be hard. That there will be trials, there will be fire, there will be all kinds of things. Why? Because the goal at the end of your life is not to be rich or prosperous or famous or ha having an easy life. Young person, the end, the goal is that you surrender yourself to the sovereignty of God so that at the end you've been useful to him and to your generation. You have glorified him 
And most importantly, you have been made conformed to the image of His Son. If you will throw yourself on God, trust in His Word, seek to walk in His way, He will take little of you and use your life to do amazing things. And you, you may not see those amazing things in your lifetime. But if you will give yourself to Him, He will do amazing things through you. And most importantly, He will work so as to conform you to the image of His Son. He will make your path straight. Also, it says here, it will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Well, you know, how do we how do we take this? I mean, really, because we know that the scriptures do not contradict. Let's look at the Apostle Paul. He was obviously a person who suffered a great deal in his life. Problems within, problems without, persecution, imprisonment. And there's even great indication that he suffered from an ongoing malady or, or illness. And yet we all acknowledge he was one of the most choice servants in the history of the church. So what's, what does this mean? I just want to read to you the spiritual. This is talking about the spiritual, emotional peace that results from a reconciled relationship with God. Obedience to his commands and abiding fellowship with him. When you know who God is. And you know his power his sovereignty, and his great love for you. As you walk with him and you see the wisdom of his word and the care that he has for every, everything in your life, it brings peace. It brings a spiritual health that affects every aspect of your life, your personality, and even your body. You know, I mentioned earlier that there are some people who just constantly are turning from the Lord and it seems like they're beaten black and blue and by the time they're 50 they look 90. There's some, there's some truth to that, a spiritual truth to that. I have friends that um, have suffered from polio, have suffered from accidents, uh, who've suffered in prison, but they have, their life is marked by the knowledge of God and trusting in God and knowing God and walking with God. And when you look at them, their bodies may be broken, but there is a health, there is a life, there is an abundance and there is a peace that goes on beyond our ability to describe. And although, yes, a godly life will have a positive effect even on your body, most importantly, it has a positive effect upon your soul, upon your soul. Also, I want you to realize that even though I've been talking about spiritual and mental and emotional and inward peace, I also want you to know that all things being considered, the man or woman who will submit to the will of God will prosper a great deal more 
than those who refuse. Um, if we follow God's will, it is a good thing for our bodies. It is a good thing for our mind. It is a good thing for our economics. And all those things are true. And I don't want to take away from them. But I want you to see, young person, there's a thing that is far greater than that. And that is communion and fellowship with God as a reconciled child of God. All right. So when he says it will bring refreshment, you know, the word here is literally drink. It'll bring drink. Uh, I have been in some deserts where my mouth was very, very dry. And um, most of the time it wasn't cool water you got to drink, but you had to boil water from a stream until it was hot and tasted like smoke. But still, it was refreshing. But imagine being through the desert of this world and a drink of the purest, clearest, cleanest water, coldest, coolest. That's the idea here. As a Christian, you're going to walk through some pretty, uh, a pretty dry world. But the word of God, the will of God, the presence of God, the spirit of God will be like a drink of cool and refreshing water in the midst of that desert. And that's why we abide in him. That's why we maintain our communion with him. He says bones refers to our physical well-being. But it, it, it's talking about a well-being that reaches to the very depth. Like, you can't see my bones. <laughs> They're inside me. And the whole idea, it will bring a refreshment through and through into your innermost being. And that in itself will also affect in many ways your own physical health. So there we have it. Trust in the Lord. Um, but now I'm going to say something that you've probably already gotten tired of hearing. You can't trust in a God you don't know. And you can't know God apart from the scriptures. Oh, young people, there's so many, so much activity today on the Internet, isn't there? People listening to so many sermons and blogs and controversies. Why don't you pull away from all that, or at least most of it? Spend great amounts of time in the Word of God. At first, it will be difficult, and at first, it will seem like you're not making any progress. But in time, there will be great progress. All right. Well, God bless you and keep walking with the Lord. Keep believing him and always realize there's one hero in this story. It's not me. It's not you. It's our elder brother, Jesus Christ, who has triumphed in every way in which we have failed. God bless you. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to the Studies in Proverbs podcast produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society.